Welcome back to Cult of Splat, a podcast where we take a look at movies that RottenTomatoes.com has dubbed as rotten on their tomato meter, but that at least one of us absolutely loves. I am your host, Taylor Bartle. Please welcome my co-host, Kevin Nesgoda. Happy Rex Manning Day! Right, today is Rex Manning Day. Well, it will be when you're listening to this. It's not for us, but uh, just pulling back the curtain a little bit. It's February currently. Yeah. Um, Yeah, we're... (laughs) We're getting a big head start. Yeah, quite a big head start. So today uh, we are talking about the 1995 film Empire Records. Yay! One of the best soundtracks ever. Yeah, if if nothing else. Uh, so yesterday, yeah, my girlfriend was like, she was looking at something on Instagram and it said, damn, the man saved the empire. And she was like, this makes me want to watch Empire Records. And oh, I was like... Yeah. I was like, well, we yeah. have it on our list. So if you want to watch it, I can ask Kevin if he wants to record tomorrow. And she was like, wait, that movie's rotten? And this movie has a 29% critic approval rating. I, it's not the greatest movie, but it's not a 29%. I mean, th- th- this is like a heavy nostalgia movie. Like I remember like going to the mall. And watching this with like my friends, which I think we're airing this the week after Mall Rats, um, so kind of a playback to last week or twenty minutes ago. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, it was just like you know a bunch of us like angsty kids like in nineteen ninety five freshmen in high school like yeah this is awesome. Yeah, I mean the the audience rating is eighty three percent, which I think is more in line with how the movie should actually be perceived. Yeah. I think that's, that's the biggest discrepancy we've had on the show so far between critics yeah, and audience. Almost 60%. That's insane. Yeah. I think like as a critic at some point, don't you look at that and go, Hmm, maybe I was wrong. Am I out of touch? No. Thank you for finishing that. Uh, Critics Consensus says, despite a terrific soundtrack and a strong early performance from Renee Zellweger, Empire Records is mostly a silly and predictable teen dramedy. Well, yeah, but it's good. Right, yeah, like, it doesn't need to not be predictable if it's a dramedy. Like, it's not like it's a horror movie or a mystery or something. Like Exactly. Um, it's It's the journey, not the destination, you know? Right, and this is an excellent journey. With a killer soundtrack. Again, seriously, go download the soundtrack. Yeah. If Love you went this. to high school in the 90s, download the soundtrack, roll up a bowl or whatever, and just like hit the nostalgia button and just go to town. Uh, written by Carol Heikinen, directed by Alan Moyle. I don't recognize either of those names. I don't know what else they've done. Me either. Uh, the, the IMDb quick synopsis says 24 hours in the lives of the young employees at Empire Records when they all grow up and become young adults thanks to each other and the manager. They all face the store joining a chain store with strict rules. They all face the store joining a chain store. That's terrible. Who wrote that? No, but 
that's yeah, that's bad. And Moyle did nothing else of note. That's a shame. Yeah. Um, a funny thing is, if if you look up the cast for this movie, the third person who comes up is Toby Maguire as Andre. Uh, Toby Maguire is not in this movie. <laughs> no. I believe he had one scene that was cut. Yes. But it has our boy, Anthony LaPaglia, in it. Yeah. Cult of Splat favorite, Anthony LaPaglia. Um, he plays Joe, who is the manager at Empire Records. Uh, but we open up on Lucas, who is closing the store for the first time. And he's so excited. Yeah. Uh, uh, Gina, played by Renee Zellweger, comes in looking for Joe, sees Lucas, and just says, you know, well, Lucas says, you know, Joe's rules are simple. Count the money twice and keep my hands off his beer, cigars, and drumsticks. Next scene. Gina Gina says, my, my, how will you remember it all? Don't screw it up. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, cut to Lucas smoking a cigar, drinking a beer, beer, playing drums on the desk. On the money that he's counting. Yep. Uh, he looks through the desk and he sees a Music Town franchise option agreement, complete with like a cellophane rendering that goes over the the photo of Empire Records to show what it would look like as a Music Town, which is a you know Sam Goody or disc jockey or yeah one of those and like you know there's no like Photoshop back in like 1995 so they have to do like the little slide like you god do kids still have like projectors like how does that work now because you remember like the overhead projector where you'd have like the ink that you'd write stuff mm-hmm. on to like solve like math problems mm-hmm. yeah, I, it's I like one of those little slide that. things yeah what, what happens in schools nowadays i don't, I don't know. know they just have like a, a tablet and a chromecast i don't know yeah probably i remember when i first started in school we had chalkboards then we got the uh dry erase boards and that was so exciting <laughs> the computer's got color. God, I'm old. <laughs> we're looking up shit on a microfiche. Oh, God. Playing, like, the original SimCity. <laughs> uh, Lucas, says immo- <laughs> Lucas says in the immortal words of the doors, the time to hesitate is through. So he grabs the money, gets on his moped, and heads to Atlantic City. Like any respectable teenager or early 20s person would do. Yeah. I mean, he's got to be at least 18 because he gets in the casinos. So yeah. Um, but he's just dripping with confidence. He's, you know, to quote the blues brothers, he's on a mission from God. Yep. He like yanks some old ladies, uh, slot machine. It hits the jackpot. She wins, walks by a roulette table and just says 22. The guy spins it 22 black. Uh, of Who course, was that putting, guy? He didn't put any money down, so it doesn't matter. But no, but he hits the the craps table instead. Drops the the wad of cash on the table. Says nine thousand one hundred and four. I counted it twice. Twice. Uh, so this, you know, this girl. I don't know if she was a prostitute. It's kind of the impression I got, but I don't know. Kind of you know comes up and starts hanging on him. He says, "So I just throw it and get a seven. The dealer says, you know, that, that would be very good, sir. Yeah. And so he does. He rolls a seven. Uh, Boom. Yeah. The, the woman says, baby, you are sex. Yeah. 
And I kind of steal that line a lot. And it's like, when something good happens, like, oh, yeah, that's pure sex. <laughs> uh, Lucas says, let it ride. So it's, it's now a, an over $18,000 bet. And he says, if I win this role, I will save the place that I work from being sold and the jobs of my friends that work there, thus striking a blow at all that is evil and making this world a better place to be in. And everybody at the table is just like, what the fuck are you oh, talking about? Yeah, what is happening? Goes, Who is this kid? He says, and I'll buy you guys a drink. So they're all like, oh, okay, yeah. Hey. He throws it and he gets snake eyes. The luck ran out. Yep. The girl says, you used to be cute. And the guy on the other side says, you used to have 9,000 bucks. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, oh, no. Uh, the next morning, Lucas is, he's at the store. But he's like driving away with uh, AJ and Mark. Mark is played by Ethan Embry. And is, I'll tell you right now, the best character in the movie. Yeah. They're like, you know, what, what did you do, Lucas? And he says, if you ever wonder if it was nice to know you, I tell you now that it was. <laughs> uh, he also says, I do not regret the things I have done, but those I did not do. Ew. Two back-to-back great lines. Yeah. Uh, and as it is today, it's Rex Manning Day. Rex Manning. Uh, Joe, again, Anthony LaPaglia, shows up. Him, AJ, and Mark open up the store. Uh, Joe immediately gets an angry call from the owner. Saying that, I mean, we, we find out later that he said that the deposit was never made. So he goes into his office, checks the safe, and he's like, damn it, Lucas. <laughs> uh, we're then introduced to Corey, played by Liv Tyler. Of course, Steven Tyler's daughter. Steven Tyler PJ. Oh, wrong movie. What? It's from Son-in-Law. Oh. Um, uh, This was her first movie, right? She was just doing music videos at this point. I believe so. Uh, But she gets picked up by Gina, and she tells Gina that she is ready to lose her V card to Rex Manning. Rex Manning is a, a singer who he's a kind of a, he's a one hit wonder, right? Cause they only, yeah, he's a one hit wonder. He's like um, a Bobby Sherman type, like bubblegum pop teen sex symbol. Yeah. And he was apparently on some TV show called the family way, which is basically a ripoff of what um, um, Bobby Sherman was in here come the brides, um, which was set in Seattle, like back in the seventies. Okay. Not the even more you know. that, but uh, I went to a hole one day. <laughs> but yeah, Corey says she's she's gonna give herself to Rex Manning. Uh, meanwhile, AJ back at the store is telling Joe how he's gonna tell Corey that he's in love with her by eleven by no, one no. by one thirty seven exactly. Yes, which we've all been in when we're like in teen love. We're like, I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna do it. Yeah, I can. It can wait. <laughs> it's not that important. Uh, we see Joe trying to call Lewis or Lucas, and he says, "Come on, buckethead." <laughs> Joe has some of the most random insults in this movie. Yeah. It's just like, why would he call him buckethead? Like, it's not like he's trying not to swear in front of people or something. Like, right? Because he, he swears. Just, yeah, he just uses terms like buckethead and later banana head. Yeah. Uh, they use M&Ms to see who gets to pick the music. 
Each person gets an M&M, and then Gina pulls one out of the box, and if whoever gets the matching color wins. Uh, Mark wins with his orange M&M. He picks the song Seams by Queen Sarah Saturday, which I only know from this movie, but it's a really good song. It's a really good song. So everybody's kind of dancing around with their cleaning, singing along, and AJ uses his veto. The impression I got is everybody gets one veto per day. Yeah, and he uses it way early. Yeah, and he was just singing along. Yeah, having a good time. And he's like, you know what? I'm not feeling it. Yeah, and not only that, he t- tells Mark, listening to this crap is guaranteed to make you sterile. Yeah. And then Mark goes, maybe I want to be sterile. <laughs> you know, Mark should probably not reproduce. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Uh, but then on top of that, AJ takes the CD and like burns it. Yeah. And not in like the, oh, I'm going to make a copy kind of burn it. Like he pulls out a lighter and <laughs> yeah, he melts the back. It. And it's like, why were you singing along just now? If you hate it so much, you never want it to be played again. Yeah. Um, let's see. Everybody's kind of dancing around to Rex Manning's big hit. Say no more. Monet more. more. <sighs> uh, Lucas arrives at this point. Joe confronts him, says, where's the money? Lucas says, it's gone. Where's it gone? Atlantic City. Atlantic City. <laughs> What's it doing in Atlantic City? Recirculating? Really? <laughs> <laughs> he's not lying. Yeah, that's the thing. You got to give him credit because he's 100% keeping it truthful with Joe. Yeah. Joe says, you know, I told Mitch, you forgot to deposit the money. I, I covered for you. <laughs> he says, Joe, that's not true. It's in Atlantic City. I swear. <laughs> So Joe tells Lucas, you know, sit your ass on the couch. I don't want you to leave that couch unless it's to get me $9,000. Lucas says, Joe, I think it's going to be okay. (laughs) Just like, why do you think that? Lucas says, who knows where thoughts come from? They just appear. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I think we all wish we could have been as witty as Lucas. Lucas is a great character. He is a killer character. And Rory Cochran just delivers it so perfectly. Yeah, he just nails it. And Rory Cochran, I don't think, really did anything else of note. Dazed and confused. Oh, that's right. That's right. I forgot about that. But yeah, other than that. Yeah, he should have done a lot more stuff. Uh, let's see. Meanwhile, Mark is taking out the garbage and he makes out with a giant painting of Madonna. <laughs> yeah, he gets so excited about it, too. He just like looks at her, gets this big goofy smile, and just like dives up there. He's like he walks hunchback most of the movie too. Yeah, he the way he moves is very awkward. Yeah, it's hard to explain. You have to watch it. Yeah, he does a very good job. Like you know, because we all knew a dude like Mark in high school, at least back in the nineties. God knows now, but yeah, I, I knew a couple dudes back in back in Irene High School who. Who are very Markish. <laughs> At this point, Deborah arrives. Deborah is played by Robin Tunney, who you've probably she's, seen before. She's been in lots of stuff, but she's I mean she's not a big star, but she's been in lots of stuff. Yeah. She's been in like the craft. Mm-hmm. Um, she was in Ceno Man. I always forget she was in C- in Encino Man. Another um, movie will do. Yep. But yeah, she's always plays a good like side character. Yeah. Uh, in this one, she's kind of the the emo girl. She's not really goth. She's just emo. Yeah. Um, she arrives and immediately goes into the bathroom. Meanwhile, AJ is gluing quarters to the ground for some reason. 
Yeah, it's explained kind of later, but not really. Yeah. Uh, this is the part where Joe says, each minute that I go by without calling the cops, I look like a bigger banana head. Yeah. <laughs> Anthony Willapelli is so good in this. Yeah, he is. Uh, he, he says, AJ, you know, I, I'm going to need you to close tonight because obviously I can't trust Lucas. AJ eventually says, you know, they, they raised my rent so I could use the money. That's fine. Yeah. <laughs> Lucas says, well, damn the man. <laughs> Which Lucas talks about the man pretty much the whole movie. He just keeps talking about the man and damn the man. Yeah. Uh, we see Deb in the bathroom cutting her hair with just like big office scissors. Yeah. And I'm just like, every time I watch this, I've seen this movie like, you know, 10 times. And every time I watch this scene, I'm like, she is going to nick her scalp and she is going to bleed all over the place. Or she is going to cut like half her finger off. Because if you remember those like office scissors from back in the day, they weighed like six pounds and they were always like, you didn't have to like, you know, chop with them. You could just run a piece of paper through it and it would slice like it was butter. <laughs> like butter. Like butter. Uh, yeah, she, she cuts her hair super short and then she, I don't know if she brought the hair trimmers with her, but she, there were just hair trimmers, hair clippers there. Yeah, it just seemed like they were in the bathroom already because she went in with nothing. She had a bag, didn't she? I I she had like a shoulder bag. Oh, she did. She did. Yeah, you're right. So she had to bring it with her. Yeah, because I don't know why there would be hair clippers at a record store. I can't think of anything funny or witty. I am not Lucas. <laughs> uh, speaking of Lucas, AJ tells him, hey, Lucas, you know, I, I have to tell Corey I love her by 137. Lucas says, that's an excellent time. <laughs> uh, Deb comes out and, you know, her head's all shaved. Uh, we also see that she's got bandages around her wrists. Yeah. And so AJ confronts her and says, "What you know, what's this about? And she says, I, I decided I'd rather kill myself than meet Rex Manning. Fair. <laughs> uh, but Lucas, you know, tells AJ, she's fine. She's, she's wonderful. And then, you know, she, she leaves, goes out to the floor. And Lucas says, look, she's in the store. We can watch her. It's going to be okay. Yeah. Which is, you know, fair. Fair. Um, and AJ's like, what's going on with you? He says, yesterday you were normal. Today you're like the Chinese guy from Karate Kid. What's with you today? <laughs> and Lucas says, what's with today? Today. <laughs> uh, you know, we, we always talk about how big quotability is in our appreciation of a movie. And this one, Lucas, is just... He's quotable. The entire way um, Speaking of quotable, here's another good one. Uh, Deb comes out, Gina's at the register, and she says, well, Sinead O'Rebellion, shock me, shock me, shock me with that deviant behavior. <laughs> I think this is my favorite Renee Zellweger like, part. Of anything I've ever watched her, and I think this is my favorite of hers. I would have to agree, I think. She's funny. She nails the drama like throughout. Yeah, she, this is like, it's a good, like, you could just like look at her and be like, yeah, she's going to be a star one day. Because yeah. I don't think she was in a whole lot un- up until this point. I don't think so. Uh, Eddie shows up. He gives Mark a mixtape uh, and also made him some quote-unquote special recipe brownies. Yes. Which he says means lots of sugar. Yeah, but we know it's marijuana. Yeah. Especially when Mark eats them later. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Renee Zellweger was in Dazed and Confused in Reality Bites. 
before this? this. Yeah. I thought this and was also the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the next generation. That movie sucks. Yeah. We're not doing that one, are we? No. No. Um, there is one Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie on the list, though. There is. Yep. Spoiler alert, it's the remake. Remakes. Oh, sorry. Coming for Halloween season. Uh, maybe. I think. Who knows? It could change. Uh, let's see. Where was I? Uh, so at this point, Joe, like he kind of gives up. He's he's out nine thousand dollars plus all the kids are just acting out. Uh, so he goes out and he starts handing out these pieces of paper that have Music Town rules, and he also starts handing out Music Town aprons. And AJ's like, you know, we're we're not a, a Music Town. He, Joe says, not yet, but Mitch is going to sell the place, and I was going to buy it, but now I can't because Lucas stole nine thousand dollars from me. God damn it, Lucas! And of course, Lucas says, you know. Mitch is the man. Damn the man. <laughs> oh, we've gone from uh, mall rats where it's like pro-capitalism to Empire Records, which is anti-capitalism. Damn, which, the man. You know, damn the man, which I'm you know fully in agreement with. Uh, so some of the rules are no visible tattoos, no revealing clothing. So that's Deb and Gina right there. They're out. Yep. And so they, they read this and they start, you know, kind of bickering and Deb says, don't fight, just rip. Yeah. So they rip up the the papers. Uh Mark comes out and he says, we mustn't dwell. Not today. They, Not on Rex Manning Day. day. <laughs> so they start setting up the area for Rex Manning uh, to the tune of Video Killed the Radio Star. star. Another great song. Yep. Uh when we see this kid kind of putting CDs, he's got a magnet and he's like running it across the top to disable the security thing. Yeah, uh, putting CDs in his pocket. Um, Lucas is still in the back, but he's like looking out the front door, and he, you know, he's got just a toe on the couch at this point. Yeah, he's following what Joe wants, and he he grabs a couch or a pillow off yeah. the couch, a cushion, <laughs> a giant he, pillow, and <laughs> a huge pillow. <laughs> and he he walked. He tells you know he's like Joe, I'm gonna leave the couch. Okay, it's okay. I'll catch you. <laughs> And he goes out and he sees this, this kid. Actually, first he's, he's talking to Mark. Yeah. And Mark's telling him he's going to start a band. And Lucas says, well, first thing you need is a name. He said, I was thinking about Mark. <laughs> Lucas says, is that with a C or a K? And he goes, well, my name is, is with a K. And he checks so, his name tag. Yeah. <laughs> so I thought my band could be with a C. So it's like a psychedelic trip thing. <laughs> Lucas says, always play with their minds. <laughs> um, meanwhile, this whole time, Lucas is like putting on running shoes. Yeah. And then he, he walks up to the, the kid who's shoplifting and he's like, hey, you, you need any help? And the kid's like, no, no, I'm good. No, I'm good. Gets closer and closer, too. Yeah. And he's like, that's, that's quite a big jacket you have. Yeah. A lot of pocket space. The fat man walks alone. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck? It's like the red crow flies at midnight. It's like, you know, codes it's like spy code speak. Right. Uh the kid then runs out of the store and Mark I I'm not going to try and duplicate it cuz I'll blow out the you microphone. Can't, you, yeah, you can't crack your voice like he does too. 
Yeah. But he's like, shoplifter! And yeah, his voice squeaks, and it's hilarious. Yeah. Uh, Lucas chases him out of the store, which, if you work in customer service, I'll tell you right now, never chase a shoplifter out of the store. You were, like, told not to. Yeah. Just let him go, because anything can happen. Yeah, and that shit's insured, so. Yeah. Um, but, you know, for comedic purposes, Lucas chases him out of the out of the store. Uh, he, like, hides in the line. So when the kid runs by, Lucas kind of steps out of the line. He's like, oh, hi. Hey, what's up? The kid's like, God damn it. Chases Run him through it. the streets, like, runs over cars. Yeah. <laughs> Under them, back into the store, and Gina's like, aren't you supposed to leave the scene of the crime? Clearly an amateur. Yeah. And then finally, uh, Lucas hides in a car that's it's, it was on like a ramp. I don't know if it was. Yeah, it's like being towed or something. I don't know. Yeah, but he hides inside and he sees the kid running up in the rearview mirror. And so he opens the door and the kid runs into it and knocks himself unconscious. Yeah, CDs everywhere. Uh, this is when Rex Manning arrives. He's bitching about his hair, says that the stylist cut it way too short. Even though it's like 70s hair. Yeah. And it's like 1995 and the 70s have died a long, long time. The 70s died in the 70s. Yeah, it's like the super coiffed, wavy yeah. helmet thing. And he's wearing like a crushed velvet jacket, like a yeah. shirt that has like those frilly things in the front. I always forget what they're called. Puffy shirt? The puffy shirt, yeah. Is it just a puffy shirt? Is that the name? I don't know. That's what it was on Seinfeld. Yeah, yeah, it's true. Uh, he arrives with his uh, publicist, Jane, played by Debbie Mazar. Anthony and Debbie in the movie again. That's right. Of course, we know that Debbie Mazar eventually goes on to be a publicist for Vinnie Chase. Yes. <laughs> Great um, documentary, Entourage. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Back inside the store, Joe is calling the cops. He asks the kid, how old, how old are you? He says, old enough to kick your butt through your skull and splatter your brains on the wall. Yeah. Joe's like, yeah, he's a minor. Yeah. What's, and he talks your... like he's a gangster, too. Yeah. He says, what's your name? Warren Beatty. Beatty. All right, Warren. We never right. get his real name. No. He says, but everyone just starts calling him Warren. They're like, all right, Warren, I need you to stand up against that wall, hold these CDs. Warren says, why don't you shove them up your ass? Yes. Lucas says, because it would hurt a lot, Warren. (laughs) And it's true. Yeah, I mean, blunt and to the point. Yeah. Well, CD cases are not blunt, but they do have points. (laughs) Uh, Gina comes out wearing the Music Town apron and nothing else. Yeah. And she's like, no revealing clothing? Hmm? I think they're uh, a little contradictive here. Yeah. Uh, meanwhile mark is just like doing everything rex manning wants he like gets him a new chair and he gets him water and all this stuff lucas says mark who's your favorite singer he says axel lucas says do you think if axel rose saw rex manning on the side of the road he would stop to pick him up and warren is just like no way man axel would gun it and mow him down He's like throwing himself around the couch. Gosh, yeah. Lucas is just like, where is all this pent up energy coming from? from? <laughs> uh, 
And it's true. I think Axel would have run down Rex Manning back in the day. Hell, he still might do it. Mark Mark's response was, "Does Axel have a jag?" Like, yeah. matter. <laughs> well, you don't want to like you know ruin your jag by running down Rex Manning. Yeah, that's. that's he had I a guess. jeep. Yeah, he was in a jeep, a truck. Yeah. Um, Warren is trying to pick up the quarters. The AJ glued to the ground, and he's like, "Why are these quarters glued down?" And AJ just says, "I don't feel I need to explain my art to you, Warren." To you. <laughs> and he still keeps going after the quarters. Yeah, because he wants to go to the arcade later. Must be. Yep. Uh, Lucas says, "Warren, look at what you stole: rap, metal, rap, metal, Whitney Houston." <laughs> he says, "It's for my girlfriend." Okay. He's like, "Sure, it is." Yeah, it's like you need to like reduce your your. Uh, I don't remember the phrase he uses, but um, yeah, he says you know maybe maybe some jazz or some classical, cool. and this is one of those lines that the the delivery makes it good. When Warren says, "Maybe you bite me," <laughs> Warren might the guy who played Warren Brandon Sexton. He might have the biggest IMDb list out of anybody. He's like just plays bits, parts, really everything. Yeah, this is his second movie, but his IMDb is like a hundred plus. Damn. Yeah, but I, I don't think he's been a lead in anything. Yeah, I would say behind Lucas, he probably has like some of the best lines. Yeah, he does. Uh, we see Rex Manning signed in autographs, mostly for like these older women. This one young girl does come up and I think she says her name is Denise or she says, that, yeah. you know, can you sign it for Denise? And Rex is like, oh, that's, that's, that's a very lovely name. She says, it's my mom's name. I don't even know who you are. Who you are. <laughs> and he's like, oh, he's just so offended. He says, does your mom still have all her teeth? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Burko is the next to arrive. Played by a guy named Coyote Shivers. Yes. What a name. Yeah, it's like Ryder Strong. It's up there with like, you know, kind of a badass name. Yeah. It's not his real name, is it? It is. Damn. Um, yeah, I don't know if he's native or what, but uh, he, he's talking to Jane and he's like, you know, who are you? And she says, oh, I'm Rex's publicist. And he's like, oh, okay. <laughs> and she starts, you know, asking questions to all the guys about if they listen to Rex's Manning, and they're all just, you know, talking shit about Rex. So finally, she goes into Joe's office, and she's like, you know, I, I quit. I can't, I can't do this. I hate, I fucking hate Rex Manning. <laughs> I like how she quits to Joe and not to Rex. Yeah, that was kind of <laughs> weird. Um, but Joe, you know, kind of freaks out, and to, so to calm himself, he starts playing the drums to If You Want Blood by ACDC. I was about to say, that's like, you know, the song we all learned to play drums to, but that's not true. Because not everybody learned how to play drums. But it was the song I learned how to play drums to. <laughs> um, meanwhile, Lucas, AJ, and Warren are all dancing around the break room. Lucas is pretending to sing. We get this montage of people in the store. There's like, we see the people in the listening booth. One guy's like headbanging. One guy's like kind of bopping, and then we see there's this couple fucking. Yeah. And one girl crying to the carpenters. Yeah. 
Carpenter's wrote some sad music. Yeah, man. Superstar. Yeah. Ooh. Uh, Mitch, the owner, shows up and he says, hey, look, why don't you give me the deposit? I'll make sure it actually gets to the bank this time. Um, obviously, since there's no money, Joe just gives him a money bag full of paper. And then locks it so Mitch can't check it. Right. Uh, we see AJ up on the roof. He's trying to fix the the neon sign and he's practicing what he's going to say to Corey. He's like, you know, when you get out of a warm bath and like you just feel nice, you make me feel you make me feel like a bath. No, no. <laughs> uh, he checks his pocket watch, which what teenager has a pocket watch? My best friend in high school actually had a pocket watch. OK, well, fuck me then. Yeah, fuck you. <laughs> um, it's one thirty, so he has seven minutes. Seven minutes. We see Mark dusting, and there's a girl, uh, just like like listening on headphones to something, and Mark tries to kiss her. Yeah, it, this is like really kind of rapey and creepy. It's yeah, it's pretty cringy, and she like she's into it. it. Well, is she? Kind of. I don't know. <laughs> she's playing nice at the very least. Yeah. But she's doing like ballet dancing to whatever she's listening to. And like Mark catches her foot and dusts it. And, and then just... kisses it. And her foot is filthy. Yeah, she's not wearing shoes. No, she's like has like ankle warmers. Yeah. Or some shit. Um, yeah. Whatever ballet dancers wear. I don't know. I would like the Nutcracker. Uh, we then see Warren being arrested as he's being let out by the cops. He's screaming, I'm going to get you. I'll be back. You'll be sorry. Typical, you know, mobster stuff. Yeah. You will rue the day. Begin your ruin. Um, Corey tells Joe that she wants to bring Rex's lunch. And Joe says, you know, oh, Burko's going to take him his lunch. She says, you know, Burko's going to insult him right to his face. He says, I don't care if Burko puts an M80 up his butt and lights it. <laughs> Uh, but finally, Corey is just, just screams, I'm bringing Rex's lunch. lunch. And so she's like, okay, up, Jesus. Yeah. Sets up this nice candlelit meal for him. He comes in and uh, she starts undressing, takes off her shirt, takes off her skirt. Which I have to like admit, like this is one of my favorite looks like back in like the 90s, like, you know, the, uh, the crop top sweater and like that kind of like plaid mini skirt. Yeah. Yeah. 15 year old me love that. <laughs> uh, I remember watching this in journalism class, of all things. Interesting. Like this scene, my teacher was like, oh, no, fast forward, fast forward. <laughs> like, you don't see anything other than her and her brawn panties, but still. Right. But yeah, Rex is like, how old are you? She says, old enough. I'll tell you right now, fellas, if a girl says old enough, you check an ID. Not old enough. <laughs> You get an ID, you double check it, you make sure it's not fake. Because yeah. if, yeah, you're going to jail otherwise. Like, all we know is that she's a high school senior. So she could yeah. be 18. Yeah. But she could also be 16. Yeah, she could be smart. She's going to Harvard. Like, she I graduated be- at 17, so. Yeah, I did too. Summer birthday. But Rex just like, all right. And he just like leans back and does his pants. And is basically just like, there it is. Rocking roll. Yeah, he says, that's what he says. He says rock and roll. And she's like, wow, this isn't what I thought it would be. And I'm like, what did you think it would be? Yeah. That it was going to be like this passionate, you know, romantic, you know, 
getting kind of tossed around a little bit, you know, love making session on the table as he like eats a steak or whatever. His salad. His salad, yes. But no, it's just yeah, like, like yeah. he's a rock star. Like he's gonna be a scumbag. Yeah, you should know this. Like this is something that's known to everybody by the time they're like 10 years old that, you know, rock and roll is cool, but they're scumbags. You don't want to hang out with these people. Yeah. Um, and, and if he wasn't a scumbag, then he wouldn't have slept with her in the break room. Right. He would have like, okay, let's go to a hotel. Let's light some candles. Let's draw a bath. Let's do this right. Let's get some rose petals. Yeah. Let me take you out to dinner first. Right. Let's get to know each other. Yeah. Let's have a date. Let's have a couple dates first. Let's have three dates first. Right. You, let's you know. Have, let's text. Yeah. Let's write a letter. It's the 90s. I'll hit, you know, here's my pager number. <laughs> I don't give anybody my pager number. Uh, but so Corey freaks out. She goes on the roof. And this is where AJ finally confesses his love for Corey. At 137. Um, Actually, we don't know exactly what time it is, but oh, that's true. But he tells her, you know, he says, "You remember the day when everything was going wrong, and you were wearing that that skirt that I hate." What's he doing? She was like, "What skirt?" And he's like, "The blue one with the flowers." She's like, "You hate that skirt?" And he's like, "Yes, but it's good that I hate that skirt because if I can love you in that skirt, then I can love you at any time." And I think we've all said something stupid like that back in high school. Yeah, that's not like we we want. We know how romantic we want to be, and it's like in our head, it's romantic, but at, like when it leaves your mouth, it's like, oh shit, what the fuck did I just say? Yeah, that's not the move you think it is, AJ. No, it's not. Uh, but Corey, you know, obviously still reeling from her interaction with Rex, just like, I can't handle this right now. And AJ's just like, oh, fuck, like, forget it, forget I said anything. Yeah, can you handle it anywhere or anytime? Uh, I mean, it was just bad timing. It really, yeah. Uh, but Corey and Gina go out to lunch, and Corey tells Gina that you know she she, she couldn't do it because she's not like her. Right, basically calling Gina a slut. Right, and you know Gina rightfully gets offended and kind of storms yeah. off. She's like, "I'm gonna you're gonna call me a slut. I am going to be a slut." Yeah, she's like, "I'll show you slut." Yeah, and so she, she does. She goes to Rex Manning and she tells him, you know, it's. We, we kind of jump in mid-conversation, and she says, it's just something I've always been able to do. I can tell you what kind and what color. So Rex is like, all right, what, what is it right now? And she says, jockeys, navy blue. And so they go into the back office, and uh, like Gina goes in, Rex comes in behind her, and he says, now time for the $6 million question. She opens up his pants. And he's wearing jockeys, which to me looked a little more royal blue. I was going to say, yeah, they're definitely royal blue. But she was close. Yeah, I mean, credit where it's due. That's pretty impressive. Uh, Let's see. Corey tells AJ, uh, like he's there out out back behind the store. And she says, you know, I'm sorry for what happened, but I I just don't think of you that way. I think that our friendship is is better than that. And AJ AJ says, that's bullshit. And you know, that's bullshit. Storms away, and we see Corey pull out a little little pill, pop that in her mouth. Hmm, wondering what that could be. Uh, meanwhile, Deb is making buttons for everybody. She gives Corey one that says dishonesty. Uh, she gives Mark one that says Mark sucks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and AJ gets one that just says stupid. Yeah. Uh, AJ then puts on 
say no more, more anymore. Uh, you know, he's spiraling, spiraling hard. And Deb is like, no, no, Vito, Vito. Yeah. Uh, so AJ grabs Deb's hand and puts it on his crotch, which is yeah. not okay. No, that's no, that's not okay. Anytime in any period of time. No, no, that's bad. Bad AJ, bad AJ. Um, meanwhile, Rex fucks Gina on the copy machine. And it's weird. Like he fucks Gina, but was only going to get a blowjob from Corey. Assumedly. Yeah. Yeah. In the same room. Uh, let's see there. Everybody kind of dancing to say no more and more. Deb takes off AJ's shirt. Uh, although there's some poor editing in this part, I will say, yeah. because there's a couple parts where it's like they, you can see AJ wearing his shirt again. Yeah. Yeah. Bad continuity. Yeah. But then Joe comes out and starts screaming at him and he says, look, next week this is going to be a music town and I don't think they allow dancing in music town. And <laughs> Lucas comes out and he's like, Joe, you know, you don't need to worry about this. You're a superb manager. Say it one more time, Lucas. Superb. And so then Joe just grabs Lucas, throws him in his office and beats the shit out of him. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, okay, at this point, Joe, Lucas, AJ, and possibly Rex Manning should all be in jail. Yeah, exactly. It makes me kind of question the um, the relationship that like Lucas and Joe have. Like, right? It's just like well, I mean, we come to find out later that Joe actually adopted him. Oh, that's right. I totally, I always forget that. Like every single time I always forget that. It's such like a weird line. Cause it's said so innocuously that you're like, wait, did I understand that? Right? Like Lucas is Joe's now. Yeah. I mean, we'll talk about that when we get there, but yeah. Dean and Rex come out of the office. Uh, Rex is like, what? No applause. <laughs> AJ attacks him. AJ attacks him. He spears him onto the couch. Yeah. Goes full on edge. Uh, so yeah, if AJ shouldn't have been in jail for making Deb touch his crotch, he definitely should now be in jail for assault. Yeah. But everyone just tells Rex, uh, like, Hey, you know, we, we hate you. We hate your new album. We hate your hair. Yeah. Fuck off. Yeah. And Rex says, I, which he, he delivers with the, the confidence of someone who thinks this is just a killer line, but he says, why don't you all just fade away? Yeah. And like, Ooh, I burned them good. And everybody's like, what the fuck? Good one, bro. Yeah. <laughs> Want to try again? Take uh, two. Joe tells Gina she better go home. And she says, am I fired? Joe says, have I fired anyone today? <laughs> <laughs> if anything, Lucas should have been fired. Lucas, AJ. Yeah. Maybe Deb. Corey. Yeah. There's a lot of shit going on in this record store today. And like, you know, this all takes place in a 24, like a 12 hour span. Right. Uh, Corey comes out and starts screaming at Gina, basically calling her a slut. Gina calls Corey a speed freak. Starts hucking pills at her. Throws her pills at her, yeah. So Corey just loses it, runs out, stabs the Rex Manning like cardboard standee. Yeah. Which was very shiny. I've never seen a ca- cardboard uh, standee that shiny. That was like <laughs> ultra gloss. Right. Uh, meanwhile, Mark is eating brownies. And watch, yeah, like, watch, watching a Guar concert. Yeah. Uh, real, love Guar. real quick, for people who don't know who Guar is. 
Uh, Guar is a, a band whose entire stage presence is based on them being aliens from a planet called Scumdogia. Yes. Uh, they all have like giant features, giant hands and feet and heads. And they usually spew things out into the crowd, like fake blood, fake yep. pee, fake semen. Yeah, they all look like monsters. Yeah. And they usually have separate monsters on stage. Yeah. Uh, so, they'll feed audience members too and shit. Yeah. It's 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 a wild show. It is wild. Um their singer, as of this movie, uh Odorous Arungus, <laughs> was portrayed by a guy named Dave Brocky, who actually passed away. Rip. Uh but he says, you know, Mark starts hallucinating from all the sugar, quote unquote, in the brownies. And uh Odorous Arungus is like, Mark, you love Guar. You should join the band. He's like, yeah. So then he like all of a sudden has this vision of himself on stage playing a guitar and this huge, like it kind of looks like a sandworm from Beetlejuice kind of thing. Yeah. Just eats him. Yep. <laughs> Swallows him whole. And I'm pretty sure they filmed that at an actual Guar concert. Yeah, they did. And he says, you rock a mean guitar. Too bad you have to die. <laughs> uh, Jane comes back and she, she asks, first she asks Joe, you know, do you need a new night manager? And then she says, you know, why don't, why don't we go out to dinner? Yeah. And as we all know from, so I married an ax murderer, they end up together. Yep. Happily ever after. Uh, Eddie starts talking to AJ and he says, you know, like basically trying to tell him that, more or less that Corey's too good for him. Yeah. He's like, do you know where Harvard is? He's like, yeah, it's by Boston. He says, no, do you like really know where it is? It's a whole different universe filled with blonde guys who eat Ivy and row boats. (laughs) (laughs) And then like immediately the wink, the Winkle boss twins like popped into my head. Uh, they at this point they throw Deb a mock funeral. They're like, if Deb wants to die, we'll show her what it would be like. Yeah. Uh, so everybody's kind of in the back. Deb lies down on a table. Corey's telling her, you know, or like saying how much she always liked Deb, and Deb says, "Dog shit." No, yeah. Dead people don't talk. Yeah. Uh, meanwhile, Mark is the only person on the floor, which you do not want. No, and he answers the phone. He goes, Empire Records open until midnight. This is Mark. Midnight. Midnight slams the phone. It's like, Jesus Christ, I'm stupid, but not that stupid. <laughs> and then he gets on like the intercom and he goes, help me, help me, help me. <laughs> and there's like three people at the register. <laughs> Maybe four. Uh, they all kind of talk about things they want to do that they've never gotten to do. Gina says she wants to sing in a band. Uh, this is the part where, where Lucas talks about how he wet his bed until he was 10, 10 yep. and his mom put him up for adoption. And three years later, Joe came along. Yeah, that's it. That's, that's the whole. It's such a throwaway line. Yeah. But the thing is, he never even says like, Joe adopted me. He says, no. Joe, Joe came along. Yeah. And like I'm you like, picked him out at the pound or something. Yeah. Like, what does that mean? Like Joe gave him a job? Like, yeah. Or is he actually adopted? That's a good question. Uh, but Deb rips off her bandages, 
shows her cuts and says, I tried to kill myself with a Lady Bic, a pink plastic razor with daisies on it and a moisturizing strip. It took me forever just to get through my skin. Yeah. Those razors suck. <laughs> my dad shaved with Bics. And they, yeah, they, they, they were terrible. Um, suddenly Warren is back with a gun. Oh, Warren Beatty. As, as Joe says, it's Warren. He's shooting up the place. <laughs> uh, Deb walks out and, you know, Deb is clearly, she's not afraid to die. So she gets right in his face. She says, I want to have a little chat. Warren says, have a little chat with my gun. So she looks right into the barrel of the gun and says, what do you want, Warren? Yeah. <laughs> He's like, uh, you're all psychopaths. Warren says, my name isn't fucking Warren. But he doesn't give his name. No. But we see the people in the back do like the Three Stooges bit where they're like, his name isn't Warren? His name's not Warren? I thought his name was Warren. Yeah. <laughs> what is it? Uh, Warren yelling at Joe. He's like, you know, Lucas steals nine grand from you and you don't do shit. You're going to give me a job next? He's like, maybe. Yeah, they're all like, is that what you want? Is that what this is all about? You no. just want a job at a record store? He's like 12. Yeah, really. Uh, the cops come, but we find out that since he used blanks, they can't really do anything, which is not yeah. true. They could no, they should, yeah. arrest him for like terroristic threats. Yeah, exactly. But, at least and, in today's day and age, maybe I got, you could get away with that in the 90s. Yeah, that's possible. Plus, he was a minor. Yeah, he didn't know better. He was just playing Mortal Kombat. Uh, with a friend in Vietnam. With a friend in Vietnam. Well, listen to Whitney Houston with his girlfriend. <laughs> AJ makes him a name tag. Warren says, you know, just, just hold on to it for me for when I come back. Uh, Deb gives Lucas $1,900. Said she sold her Vespa across the street. Uh, Jane gives him $900 from Rex's expense account. Everybody just kind of starts throwing money at Lucas. Burko gives him some Bazooka Joe for karma. Yeah. <laughs> Joe gives him his watch. Says, here, maybe you can hawk this. Um, and it, altogether, it's like, it's, three thousand fifty dollars yeah he's still six grand short yep but mark's like i got an idea and he runs outside where there's a news reporter talking about warren shooting up the place yeah with blanks yeah but mark comes up and he's like hey i saw the whole thing i work here and he's like all right what happened he goes yeah so this guy he kind of wigged out but that's beside the point we're having to get together here tonight at midnight damn the man save the empire ah <sighs> Which is the money line right there. That's the yeah. poster. I think we all had that t-shirt back in the 90s too at some point. Uh, so they have a big party in the store. You know, suggested donation, $20. They're selling beer. AJ's selling his art outside. Uh, Mitch shows up and he's like, you know, who the fuck are all these people? Why do I get the feeling like I'm being royally screwed? And Joe says, because you are. Yeah, nailed it. Uh, Joe quits right there. He says, I'm going to go open up my own store. And he says, you don't have the capital. And Lucas is like, yes, he does. Joe goes, no, I don't. <laughs> he says, but I will get it. Yeah. Which is apparently only nine grand. Apparently. <laughs> so in which case, why didn't he do, I guess maybe he was just nine grand short. Yeah. Um, yeah. He, Joe quits. Meanwhile, Burko's band is up on the promenade. Is that what you would call that? 
Yeah, something like that. There's this little stage area in the front of the store, up like up. Up, up with the um, it's like where an awning would be. Yeah, but they're on top. Uh, yeah. His band is playing there, and Gina is singing backup. Uh, they're singing the song by Coyote Shivers, called Sugar High, but they're singing the the censored version. Yes, the real version is about uh, Cunnilingus. Yep. And the part that Gina sings is not in the song. No. (laughs) Just for the movie. Yep. And I actually like that version better with Gina. Yeah, every time I listen to the other version, I like sing that part. Yeah. You you have to. It feels so empty without it. Right. It's just like a riff. And it's, yeah, the Gina part is, it it makes the song. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, so everyone's just partying. Mitch is work in the register now because nobody else is working yeah does anybody work here <laughs> warren pops up yeah i do <laughs> uh joe grabs the the big tub thing of money that they've got and he goes up to uh mitch hands it to him and he says here's your money count it and every time i watch this i expect him to say twice yeah never does though that's why would you not? That's so it's just prime for it. Yeah. Uh, but Mitch says, look, Joe, I hate this place. You love it. Let me sell it to you. Cheap. Cheap. <laughs> Whatever's in that bucket is all he bought a record store for. We I don't know that. Yeah. I assume. But yeah, it's implied. He does look down at it and then say, yeah. cheap. Yeah. So I assume whatever's in that bucket is what he bought the record store for. Which is like prime real estate. There's like a nice river walk thing right behind it. It's like downtown. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that place is only going to be open for like another like 10 years. That, you know, as MP3s come along. Right. But, you know, still, those are going to be a good 10 years. Uh, at this point, Lucas randomly breaks the fourth wall. Yeah, that was weird. It always weirds me out. He just looks at the camera and he's like, you know, what a, what a perfect ending or something. And he says, well, maybe not completely perfect. Yeah. Then cut to. Cut to. Uh, Corey tells AJ uh, that he's, he's too smart to work there and that he needs to go to art school. And if he doesn't go to art school, then he's, he's just a big, dumb dummy. Yeah. But my favorite part is like when she storms up onto the roof and just shoves him down. Oh, yeah. He like rolls backwards. It's like she connects and like. Yeah, it's a good shove. Yeah. Yeah, and then she like stands over him and is just like, yeah. you're an idiot. Yeah. And he, he's like, Corey, I, I quit. I quit to go to art school. I'm going to go to art school in Boston to be near you. And this all happened within like two hours. <laughs> he applied and got accepted to an art school in Boston in the 90s when he's going to have to send out a packet of his art and everything. And yeah. It's a month-long process at minimum. I mean, for for all we know, it's for all we know he just made that decision. Yeah, but it's, yeah, it's very possible he doesn't get in. Like, what of that? Yeah, he's just gonna go work at a beat store in Boston. But they 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 finally kiss. Although the buildup to this kiss takes so long. Like, I was just like, fucking kiss her already. Yeah. Uh, but they kiss, and suddenly the sign starts working. So the sign is is fixed by the power of true love. Yep. That's the power of love. Uh, and then there's a dance party on the roof. Yeah. 
suddenly all the other employees come up to the roof and just start dancing. Yeah. And then there's, there's just kind of a scene that goes in the middle of the credits of Mark and Eddie talking about punk bands. It's nothing really important, but no, it's cool though. Yeah. Cause we all love punk in the nineties. Yeah. I agree with most of the stuff they said, except when Eddie said Primus sucks. Yeah. Primus does not suck. Uh, yeah, that's it. Um, great movie. Great movie. I was watching it with Joanna and she's like, this movie was stupid. I got it. Yeah. Oh, well, I'm sorry to hear about your divorce. Yeah. I was like, huh? <laughs> you know, she's just like at the age, like when this came out, like she was like 10 and I was 14. So that, that like, that's a kind of a big difference. Like, so she never really got like, the whole nostalgia thing from this, like we do, but it's still a good movie. I think. Yeah. I, I love this movie. Like most of the people I know love this movie. So it's, this is one of the ones that I was really kind of surprised to see not only on a tomato meter, but to be this fucking low 29% solo. Like when you put this on the list, I was like, there's no way. And I went and looked and was like, Holy crap. I was expecting this to be like at least like a 62, 63, like, you know, not like, way up like you know oscar worthy or anything like that but like you know just like right on the other side is like you know people like who doesn't like this movie besides my wife and the critics um yeah i mean just looking at some of the the reviews like if clerks were written by tv hacks it might feel something like this Ooh, mark carroll chicago tribune damn and the writer of this movie worked at tower records in phoenix i miss tower I spent a lot of time in Tower Records, like, back in the day. Even though it was, like, you know, a corporate, like, you know, chain. Tower Records still had, like, everything you could possibly want. It's like Tower and Easy Street. Let's see. I'm going to check some of the positive reviews here. Okay. A box office flop that became a much-loved cult hit. The movie's flaws are the very things that have endeared it to fans over the years. Yeah, apparently, according to the wiki, the box office draw was only three hundred three thousand, and twelve dollars was mine. Good lord! Yeah, I think we did half the box office in Aberdeen because, like, I know most of my school went to watch that because, like, when we went there, it was like basically like you know fifth period all over again. Yeah, this. I mean, I didn't see this one in theaters, but uh, yeah, I had the DVD. Yeah, it was one of the first DVDs I bought. Which was like Spaceballs, The Glass House, Jeepers Creepers, and this, and Spies Like Us. Were the first five DVDs I ever bought. They were on sale at Walmart. Hope you destroyed that Jeepers Creepers one. Yeah, I, I don't have it anymore. Like, even some of the positive reviews are kind of like backhanded. Yeah. Likeable, if faintly preposterous. Yeah, I, I, I could see that. It definitely appealed to, like, you know, it's angsty kids. So, like, you know, somebody in their 30s or 40s reviewing this movie is going to be like, what the fuck is this shit? Yeah, that's the thing. Like, if, if we were to watch it now for the first time, I don't know how it would feel with me. Like, I don't know if I would have the same reaction because there is that nostalgia, you know? Yeah, it's definitely a nostalgic movie. Like, I think I would like it more for the soundtrack rather than the storyline. If like I watched it for the first time in 2022. I definitely heard the soundtrack before I saw the movie. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like a lot of these songs are like everywhere. Like, especially if you're listening to one Oh seven, seven. Yeah. 
I mean, gin blossoms are in here. Gin blossoms. Um, po- the poster children, the suicidal tendencies, the buggles, uh, ass ponies, ACDC, toe the wet sprocket. I mean, this is like guar, guar, the cranberries. I mean, Jesus Christ. There's two cranberry songs in here. Um, <laughs> and not sponge. Yeah. There's everything in here. I, I mean, love that sponge song. Yeah, oh, that's such a good song. Uh, Dishwalla. This is the first time I heard Dishwalla. Better than Ezra. Jesus Christ. I mean, there's, there's this. it's like an iconic soundtrack, especially if you were in high school in the 90s. Yeah. So yeah, big recommend for Empire Records. Uh, 29% is preposterous. Yeah, let's get some new people to review this because we need to up this quite a bit. So, I mean, if you're on the same level as me and Kevin, then uh, go check it out. If you haven't, if you have, go check it out again. Why not? Yeah, go do it. It's, what, 94 minutes, I believe? Yeah. 90 minutes, exactly. There you go. Yeah, and it's a quick 90 minutes. Like, I watched it, and I was like, holy crap, this thing's almost over. I can't believe it. I, like, swore, like, we popped it in, like, 10 minutes ago. It's like mole rats. It goes fast. It's a fast 90 minutes. Uh, I mean, like, you know, it, there definitely are parts that are like, this is a little ridiculous, especially for all this to happen in a span of 24 hours. Right, right. But, you know, that's what makes the movie pace well. That's what makes the movie enjoyable. Otherwise, it's literally just people working at a record store, which who cares? Yeah, and it's just full of like great one-liners. It's quotable. It has Anthony LaPaglia, who we absolutely love. Mm-hmm. And I think this is the last Anthony LaPaglia movie we're doing, sadly. I think so, yeah. Damn it. We'll find another one. Anthony, <laughs> we'll have you come on. <laughs> Maybe. All right, well, that's going to wrap it up for this episode of Cult of Splat. Uh, if you enjoyed this, then make sure to subscribe to the show. Uh, go give us a five-star rating, either on iTunes or Spotify or wherever else they let you do such a thing. It literally takes two seconds. There's no excuse not to. That's right. Uh, also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and or Instagram at Cult of Splat. You can also follow me at The Taylor Bartle. You can follow my other podcast at Grave underscore Plot uh, on Twitter or Grave Plot Podcast on Facebook, Instagram. Which is uh, very and, good. And GravePlotPodcast.com. Uh, you can, did I already say you can follow me at The Taylor Bartle? If I didn't, uh, I'm saying it now. Did. Well, then I'm reiterating. Uh, yeah. Kevin, where do they follow you? Just at Kevin Escoda. Nice and easy. There you go. So, uh, thank you for listening. Until next time, see ya. Bye.